welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Prayer, I mean it's exciting that this, we've, we've got this room starting up, isn't it? It's brilliant. I'm really looking forward to having that as a, as a, as a facility, as a, as a place we can be. Prayer is about relationship. You know, a lot of people get hit up on the methods of prayer, but ultimately it's just relationship with God. And different people access and, and tap into that relationship in different ways. I think it's very good. I love to uh, pray by sitting with a cup of coffee in a comfortable chair with my Bible chatting to Jesus. I literally do do that. I just chat over things with him. I talk to him sometimes in my head, sometimes out loud. Other times, I want to be marching up and down, declaring that some of the scripture that I've got. You know, speaking it out. Just as God said, let there be light, and there was light. That creative ability is given to us to declare the word and change. But that can only really come if you've got the relationship with God in the first place. Otherwise, that would just be hollow and horrible. I also like to sit in silence and, and just uh, meditate. I sometimes just use one word, usually Father, and repeat it to myself and just allow the Spirit to fill me. Other times, I use the Jesus prayer, the one that says, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me with the picture of mercy being that anointing oil pouring from heaven as you're praying at that. The oil of God, the Holy Spirit, pouring on you with no sense of you've not been good enough for the Spirit because it's mercy. And you just saturate in the Spirit. And I like to kneel often if I do that. I don't always do that. But uh, I like to kneel and I have at home and one of those little prayer store things that lets you kneel for longer. Sometimes people are surprised when they hear that I kneel in silence before God because they think I'm a jumpy, up and down, clappy, happy sort of a person. And I am, but I like the breath. You know, I like the stillness. I, I, I don't even mind candles. I can happily light a candle and pray. It's not anything special, but there's, there is some... It, the thing with... Some of that paraphernalia is, does it enable you to connect with God or are you trying to connect with it? For the prayer room, I bought something really dodgy, but it's not. It's an icon. What? How can you do that? Well, it's that picture of, uh, that Rublev painted of the Trinity. And I think it's a beautiful picture. Now... It's not magical, it's not mystical, but you can look at that and God can speak to you through it. That's what an icon's supposed to be, something that God speaks to you through. It's not some magical thing that enables you into God's presence. Calling it an icon makes it sound even more dangerous. It's just a picture. But it's also a picture of prayer. It's also a picture of relationship. I want to... Just, I talked about loved ones earlier. I suppose one of the things you do when you love somebody is you often, if it's that kind of a relationship of love, you get married. And it's amazing how prayer and our walk with God is, 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 is like a marriage. And it's often a meal. Um, well, the two bits I want to talk about are the meal and the dancing. 
Because those are usually at a wedding, aren't they? At the actual wedding. There's a meal and there's dancing. And then there's small children in long trousers sliding across the floor. But I don't think that's necessarily in, in, in the right picture. But the meal is in that picture that will go up in the prayer room. Because it comes from that story in Genesis. Now, I've talked about this before here, so I, w- I would just say it briefly. If you missed it, go back and find it on the web. It's a, it's a good one. I've talked about it several times. But the picture is when there's a visit in Genesis to Abraham. And it's quite clear to me and clear to many others, but of course it can cause quite concern, that if it's not actually, it's certainly a picture of the Trinity visiting Abraham, or Abraham as he is at that point. Because he worships them. And it's the intriguing thing that when he speaks to them and calls them Lord, he's talking in the singular, but he's talking to three people. Just an intriguing thing. But uh, he offers them a meal. And... The picture shows the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit sat at the table with the meal in front of them. But the one thing Abraham never did was sit at the space at the table that was for him. Remember, God called him my friend. But he only served God. He didn't feel able to sit at the table. The first group to sit at that table were the apostles, the disciples. And once more, Jesus was physically there, but the Father and the Holy Spirit, they were there. Jesus sat at the table, but this time, his friends sat with him. But they were entering into a new covenant. And what was the difference between the old and the new? Well, many things. But the one thing I want to focus on, that the new was a restoration of what was. The old maintained sort of an ongoing relationship, demonstrating that we could never, ever solve it ourselves. The new was right. This is what we need to do. I've come to start this again. And this time, in those apostles, but us, every time we share communion together, we sit at that table with the Trinity because of what Jesus did, because it's his blood. And it's his body making the way through. The only time before that that humankind had been able to relate to God is given to us in the narrative of Adam and Eve. This is what it looks like before the separation of that relationship came. And it speaks of a a great relationship. They're they're walking in the the garden and they're they're talking with one another. It's, It's a close relationship. But... When they decide to do things their own way, it breaks that relationship. It's not completely broken. Even after the fall, God is making them a set of clothes so that they can, you know, survive in a more hostile world. And he never leaves them completely. He's always still there. But the closeness of the relationship was broken by their independence. And when Jesus came and sat his friends at the table, he said, let's restore the relationship. It's why earlier I said to you, think of somebody you love. 
and it usually makes you feel good. And it makes you, you realise that person has had a really positive effect. It's not just husband and wives. It's people. And I want to just tell you about something that, and this is a way of understanding it. Individuals and persons. Because as you know, if you know your Trinitarian doctrine, God is three persons, one God. And we, sometimes people struggle over that. There's a, in, in Fountains Abbey near Ripon, apparently um, it says in, when you go in the chapter house, or what was the chapter house, it's in ruins, and it talks about the monks gathering there every Sunday to be taught by the abbot. And there's this little phrase, it says, Here the monks gathered every Sunday to hear a sermon from the abbot, except on Trinity Sunday, owing to the difficulty of the subject. <laughs> But actually, you're coming about it the wrong way. If you think trying to understand the Trinity is a problem, you've got a problem. Because the Trinity were the solution to understanding God. In the early church, they realized that God was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they were trying to express, how is this? The, the picture of the Trinity, it's there in Scripture, but the, the doctrine, if you like, the understanding, has come out of the Scripture, and the Trinity is a way for us to relate to God. It was never meant to be the problem. It was the answer to the problem of people saying, How's there three? is there three gods? Is there one God? Is there three? What's a person? They argued over the meaning of what person was, and the, in the Greek, and they argued endlessly about it. They put a letter in, they put a letter out, they put a letter back in again, they took a letter out, uh, just to change the meaning of the word. And it was, like the abbot said, owing to the difficulty of the subject. But actually, it was a solution to this is how we relate to God. Where it starts to be a problem is if you think it's maths. If you think you're trying to solve a problem according to science. And it's not that. It's relationship. You cannot give me a mathematical formula or a biological formula that perfectly explains the love between Kate and myself. It just is not possible. There's no scientific way to do it. You can't put us into a test tube, stir us up a bit and produce some brilliant results. You could try some experiments, but don't. <laughs> but there in the garden, they were in this relationship with, with God. They were, they, were, they were persons in a relationship. But they came to a point when Eve said, yeah, I'm going to try that. She was deceived. And she went to Adam, and he said, yeah, I'm going to try that. He wasn't deceived. He knew what he was doing. And humankind fell. But it's not just their fault. Every single being does exactly the same thing. And it's what happens is we go from how we were created to be persons to being individuals. What do I mean by that? Well, a person, and we are using language to explain, and somebody else might use these words differently. It's just I'm trying to explain concepts rather than words. Look at the title Father. If there's no son, there's no father. You can't exist. I'm a father because I have two sons. And that will be the same for uh, as long as you talk about me. He was a father to two sons. You can't take that away. It's what defines me. Before they were born, I was not a father. 
I'm also a son. I will always be a son of Brian Abel. My dad was promoted to glory 11, 10 years ago. And, but he's still my dad. I'm still his son. I'm, I'm still a different person because of the influence he had in my life. The problem in the world, of course, is that because we have stepped into independence and individuals, that very often we have a negative effect on one another. If I ask you to think of people that have had a detrimental effect in your life, for some of you it might even be, as it shouldn't be, your natural parents. But that's because when you become a Christian, you get to join the meal. You get to sit at the table. You join the communion of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you think, this is amazing. And suddenly you realize, hang on a minute, all these other people sit at the table. Where did they come from? And it's all the disciples throughout history. You've just joined something amazing. But individuals... Often in the modern world, individuals are purely defined by their possessions. If you assess or, 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 or some ability, so if you're, you, you will be understood as an individual and your identity and your worth by how great your footballing skill is, or how great an actor you are, or how rich you are. And those things will open doors to you. So you want more of them. You want more toys, more more, and your identity becomes in that. The way you, it can be in the way you dress. It can be in, in, in the amount of makeup you wear. It could be uh, in the fact. It could be numerous, numerous things. Your intellect is another one in the world. And there's a. You hear Disney theology says you can be whatever you want to be. It's rubbish. You can't. There are some things you can't be. And the world has got so much into that that even some crazy things are going around out there. You could be whatever you want to be. It's Disney theology. You are already what you are. You're not going to be whatever you're going to be. You are it in Christ. You are who you are. You, you may be learning to live in the fullness of that, but you're already there. For the individual, that's where it's defined. Whereas the person, what makes a person? The others. The father's a father because of the son. The son's a son because of the father. What about the Holy Spirit? Well, the spirit is the ruach, the breath of God. It's the very life that brings them together. Last week, and if you weren't here last week, I urge you to go back and listen. Maybe listen to Thursday night as well because that really feeds into last week and this. But Jesus appears to the apostles. We were looking in John 20. And he says... As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed the breath of life on them. Receive the Spirit, he said. If you, if you look at the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the same word in Genesis where it says God breathed into Adam, Adam meaning first man, and God breathed into Adam the Spirit, the Ruach, although it's a different word used there when it talks of Adam. It's the same it's a synonym, it's the same word really as Ruach used earlier in the, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 
But the same word in Genesis that it said God breathed life into Adam. Which says, and Jesus breathed life into the apostles. It's the same word. Because they were coming back. He was, well, not really going backwards. It was a restoration to life. But that restoration put them in a place of relationship. Now, some people really don't like this message because we've been so individualized. The modern world runs on individualism. But don't hear me wrong. It's not saying we're coming into some sort of collective gloop where everybody's the same. It's actually the opposite. It's that in relationship with the body that Christ has placed us in, we will discover our own unique person. We can only really discover who we are with other people. Right? And if it's grating with you, believe me, it's grating with me at times, but it's because we have been indoctrinated since we were born with individualism. And God calls people. He calls individuals to become persons. Connected people. But not connected people like a big people soup. People who then discover how unique they are in the relationships that they have. I think that this message is revolutionary and is vitally needed in the world. We have a problem in our world. It's there's a huge epidemic of loneliness. And from loneliness comes a huge epidemic of mental health issues. I'm not making it up. It's, that's what the research shows. You see, the problem with being individuals is that you end up with a big car, perhaps, or more often not, but you just want one. But whether you get it or you don't, it doesn't let you actually be what you want to be. Because an individual is not what you are. You are a person. A beautiful person. It's like walking... A church is like walking in an absolutely amazing art gallery. All the best sculptures, all the best paintings, they're there. And it's an amazing experience just to walk around that gallery. Are you with me? Because the abbot said this was hard. (laughs) Remember the abbot, Fountains Abbey, owing to the difficulty of the subject? But it's not the subject that's difficult. The subject is actually explaining God. So the relationship is broken in the garden. When um, God comes to find Adam and Eve after they've sinned, those of you that have been part of the church, you know I say this story so often, but it's because it's so often missed. In our English translation, it says, Adam, where are you? In the Hebrew, if you really, really translated what's going on there, it's more like, oh, woe is me. It's the heartbreak of God that the relationship of persons has broken. He's still going to know them, but he knows what it's going to cost to be restored to people, which is obviously Jesus. And he's desperate because he loved them. And he's now unable to relate to them in the same way because they've chosen to become individuals, do their own thing in their own way. But he loves them, so he equips them and he makes them clothes, and obviously he loves their families after, but that's not our story today. But the picture 
of Rublev's icon is the Trinity sat at a table. And if you look carefully, it's not that clear because it's an, it, they've, in the one we've got, it's, it's the old version, which is obviously worn. But you can see there's an empty place at the table. And that's one of the reasons you could look at it and think about what God's saying to you, because it's your place. Do you join them? And that's why I was saying that knowing the Trinity is like a wedding, because you sit and have a meal. But then you realise that this meal you've been invited to with three persons is full of people. It's full of persons. You see, that's why people get confused about the Trinity. It's why one add one add one does equals one, if you want to use addition. But really, in God, you, it's multiplication, but that's another issue. When you join with God, there's a whole multiplication of what's going on. But you discover that you've not just joined a God, but you've joined persons, but they're not individuals. They're not defined as separate beings. They're three persons defined by relationship, which you've now also, in a different way, entered into. When you get born again, it says that you are now in Christ. You're becoming, you're stepping into being a person. This is why you get healed and things are dealt with in your life, through things that have gone on in your life. It's why you can let go of all the struggles and the hurt and the abuse at the cross. So that you can learn to trust people again. So that you can be who you really are. So that you're not lonely. So when you say yes to Jesus, the slightly scary thing you may discover is you've said yes to being in his body. And learning to get on with his body. Now, we're not all going to be... Have a, I ha, I'm going to have the best relationship in this room forever with, with Kate. You're not going to come between me and Kate. All right, so we can see another set of close relationships would be Dan and Jem and my grandchildren. You're not getting in there either. So there, it doesn't mean you're going to know everyone in this sort of sharing baths together type way. What a... <laughs> Not that we do that either. <laughs> that was a bad image. Forget that one. <laughs> we better have a laugh. We're doing a doctrine that's supposed to be nearly impossible to think about. <laughs> jacuzzi together. Well, yeah, I might have a jacuzzi with some of you. But you see what I mean? There's different levels of relationship, but there's a closeness. And there's a bouncing off one another. And that's where the dancing comes in. Because it's not just static. It's not that we just get to sit at the table. Uh, It all starts at the table. That's where we have the, the, we eat the bread and we drink the wine in acknowledgement that we are in the body of Christ together. Communion is together. You can't have communion on your own. The word is communion. It means commune with others. It's, it's, a, it's a community thing. And that's why the church from the very beginning has always gathered together. Because there's an us. I tell you what, the funny name for our event in the summer, August, it's prophetic. Because you know when it comes up and you and S are in bold. So it's us in August. But you see, I'm beginning to see now it's just continuing what God has done. It's about us being us together. With the Trinity, as a community. 
spending time together, being together, eating together, laughing together, maybe even having a jacuzzi together. I don't know. I don't want to go there. But it's, we will encounter God together. We, we, we've done a lot in Ephesians. Anybody noticed? <laughs> if you haven't, oh dear. Um, let me just go there a minute. Ephesians, chapter 1. We've gone back to the beginning. <laughs> Going to bit different now. No. Verse 4. This is a great verse. I've often spoken on it about how we're handpicked by God. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy, holy and blameless in his sight. That's a good verse, isn't it? Holy and blameless. That's why we can come before God. But because we always work with an individual mindset, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong, because, but it does say us. He doesn't say in love he predestined you. And he could have easily done that, particularly in Greek, because you can show the difference between you on your own or you as a group. And he emphasizes us. God predestined us. Because we are a people together. We have to be, by definition of the fact that we believe God is God in relationship. Because we're called into relationship. So we do things together. Bike rides and play games together and go dancing together. And the reason it's not just a meal is because you, got, you, have the, you, you celebrate. This is like a meal. It's not just communion. But after the meal, you get up, most of you, and you dance. And sometimes, if you're like me, you don't look so cool, but you think you do. Right? The, the importance is just to think you're cool. It doesn't matter what anybody else is thinking at that point. You're just cool. But it's because in a dance, a proper dance... You, you are, especially if you're dancing with a partner, you're swirling around the room. If Kate and I are doing it, we swirl around the room and bounce off a few others. That's what you're supposed to do, isn't it? You're swirling around the room, and if you're really good at it, you're not bouncing off at anyone. You're just doing one of those neat sort of moves at the last minute to swirl away from Kate and Mike, who are doing the tango. And it's a great picture of the Trinity because the relationships that we have as persons are telling us who we are. I'm a different person because I know Ron. He's had an influence in my life. But it's actually true of all of us. Pete there's had a huge influence on my life. I'm still trying to get rid of... No. (laughs) He's had a powerful influence on my life for the better. So many people have. But actually, I then discover who I am in that. And if I try to discover who I am in a Disney-fied way, I never will. If I search deeper and deeper inside me, I will find nothing. If you want to know who you are, go and live with people. Bounce off people in your dance. The three most important people in this dance are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But they're there, and they're moving, and they're changing. And one minute you're doing the tango, and then you're doing the waltz, and then you're doing some rock and roll, and then you're doing a bit of, tell me something modern, <laughs> hip-hop. Well, that, that's 90s, isn't it? Give me something modern. See, none of you are modern either. Why are... No. no, no, we won't go there. It's a good job it's not a video. (laughs) 
Yeah. Because as we bounce off people, as we work with people, things change. We do different things. And the reason we want to hide on, hold on sometimes to things we've done before is because we're thinking like individuals. We're thinking what I do is my identity. It's not what you do that's your identity. It's who you are is your identity. It's your relationship primarily with Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's who you are in Christ. And it's your relationship with who you are in the body. Ultimately, if you become a Christian, or attempt to, and you go to a church on a Sunday, and you sing some songs, you put money in the offering, and you have a cup of coffee and you leave, you'll never discover the person you really are, because the person you really are is the person in relation to other persons. Now, there can be people that are not in your actual local congregation, of course, that are very meaningful, but you still get the picture, I hope. Let's wind up. Look at this, I've got notes and everything. (coughs) Haven't used them yet. (laughs) I got a a, a bit from a, a book I was reading here. Let me just read it to you. The basic understanding is that the church is a sent community because it is the community of the sending God. The church does not have a mission of salvation to fulfill in their world. It is a mission of the Son and Spirit through the Father. And that includes the church. So a guy called Jürgen Moltmann. But let's just get back to the scripture that kind of kicks this all off. You see, in Ephesians, we've just gone into being together, bearing with one another, loving one another. The context of that is as the, uh, the glory of the Lord rising upon us from Isaiah 60. So what does that look like when the glory of the Lord is upon you? It looks like a people who look like the Trinity. It looks like people in relationship. And that then goes back to the Trinitarian Great Commission here, which says, again, Jesus said, John 20, verse 21, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. You see, the Father sent Jesus. The Father sent the Holy Spirit. And the Father sends us, or Jesus sends us, at the behest of the Father. It's the same thing. So, not only are we having a meal and in a dance, the dance actually spills out into the streets. And the supermarkets, and the offices, and the schools. We don't, have a mission, church. We are mission. This is why Jesus said, do you know, have you ever looked at Jesus' main plan for mission? Well, he does a few things. He demonstrates it by the kingdom. He preaches, you do need to repent. But then he says... By this, people will know that you love me. What's he referring to? The love you have one for another. Because if people are going to know God, they start by seeing an icon. Not that one on the wall, but this one. Because an icon is something that enables you to see God. So this is an icon. You're part of that icon. We're part of that icon. We are the icon. 
of the Trinity. Because the Trinity is relationship. This is why it's not a problem, it's the answer. God is love. How many people know, how many of you have heard God is love? Has God always been love? Was there ever a time when he wasn't love? Therefore, he could never have been on his own. Or he would be a narcissist. True love is for others. So he has always been Trinity. Let me wind up today. And then we're just going to... The reason I didn't do all the worship earlier and I wanted to spend, yeah, probably about half an hour, 20 minutes, half an hour at the end, was because I, I thought it would be good to hear this word and then when we stand to worship, we realise this is the gathering. We could have communion. Um, but it's also important just to see that the gathering of God's people is us together stepping into what he has for us. In, in, the, in the Ephesians passage that I, w- I was reading, just, just listen to this without your individualistic hat on, which is fine because it applies to you as a person as well. But listen to it when God's speaking to us as a people. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sunset through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glory, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He has made known to us the mystery of his will. Do you, do you, see, the, do you, do you see that word? It's slightly emphatic, isn't it? Now, don't get in a panic. There are two sides to this. Pendulums have a tendency to go, vroom. We've been right up here thinking about this applying to us. That's good. Uh, uh, no, applying to us as individuals. All we're doing is moving it back here and realising it applies to us as a people. He predestined us to be sons. The family of God together. Sons so that you would inherit everything. It's nothing to do with gender at that point. Hmm. And then, just before, in fact, let's have the worship team come up, if, if you don't mind. It's because in the West, we've tended to stress the individual, but we are beginning to realise that God doesn't think just individuals, although he does. He thinks community, people. Think of the Old Testament. There are certain individual persons that stand out that had a relationship with God. But God was for Israel. And the promises we step in together were for Israel, as they are for the people of God today. It's a togetherness. It's not losing the richness of knowing that we need to know Jesus personally. But it's realizing that we will know Jesus personally if we know one another. We will know Jesus better personally if we know one another and we know what it is as a people to gather in his presence so that's just keep that going because this is what I want you to think about
just for a couple of minutes to reflect. (laughs) You need more than a couple of minutes on this question, but I just want you to begin thinking about it. What difference does it make to think of God as Trinity? on that I'll repeat it once more just as we allow the presence of God to fall and then we'll stand and we'll we'll have the Jesus encounter that Mary had that I spoke of on Thursday night Mary Magdalene the Jesus encounter that the disciples had that I talked about last week we'll come into that encounter the encounter that made Mary Magdalene become an apostle to the apostles and the encounter that turned a frightened group behind locked doors into people that change the world. That's where we're going. But just in this minute, begin the thought process. Write it in your journal and add to it over the next few weeks and months. What difference does it make to think about God as Trinity? To you and to us. agreement yeah we 
we're going to meet with God. Let us do something now together. And that's why we say it. The reason I'm stressing it is because when I say it, we'll do it together. But as we worship, it's absolutely fine just to, you might want to be on your face, you might want to be on your knees, you might want to have your arms stretched in the air. All that teaching on what it naturally says when you put your arms in the air. And we will worship in the Spirit. And you might be not sure what I mean by that. And it's okay. It's not like you can fail or anything. Um, if you're not sure, just listen to the others. But what, uh, what we're going to do is engage with the Holy Spirit and let Him lead us. So we may sing in tongues, which is a language the Holy Spirit gives. We may just... Make a noise, like we were playing an instrument, like we were doing with the children recently. Or we may sing, but it's us together with the Holy Spirit. Even as the Spirit of God might talk to each individual or each person, personal things. But it's about encounter, because it's that encounter that makes us realize we've not got to go on mission. We are mission. are a sent people as the father sent me as the father apostled me so I am sending you said Jesus and then he's going to breathe on us because the word of God says to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit so he's going to breathe the breath of life the Holy Spirit on us here in this place to enable us in relationship because Jesus' plan for mission was a people that looked like God because they reflected his divinity. So let's stand. And Jesus enters the room. Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, says Jesus, so I am sending you. As he said this, he breathed on them the breath of life. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. Let's worship the Lord. Begin to lift your voices. this before maybe just sing the name of Jesus again and again help me to contact out shouting Lord. Father we thank you for that prophetic edge to the song. It's your breath in our lungs. So our lungs must be supposed to function. But then if you think about it, the dance needs able-bodied people. 
So that's why there's healing in the Trinity, so we can join fully in the communion. It's not that there's anything, you know, a, a person who has got an issue going on is not a lesser person, but we want to see the glory of God demonstrated. How many of you started school when you were four? A lot of you, or five. Did your parents tell you, did you have a nice day? And then the next thing was, you're going to go that, that, you're going to go to school for another 13 years. Is that okay? Three lifetimes if you're four. <laughs> no, you weren't told. Or at least you had a vague idea. Why did you go to school more than one day? Because it took more than one day to see the change that had to happen in you. To be an adult, to be educated. It's not a perfect analogy, but this is the way it is with sickness and seeing miracles and seeing healings. You go to school one day, you've not done it. You go to school five years, you've not finished. We have to grow in these things so that we reach that day when we don't just see some miracles happen straight away. We see all of them. And we will not accept anything less. No matter how many times we go home from school wishing we didn't need to go the next day, we will go because we are going to see that. We are determined to see that. And we will not allow sickness to define us. We will allow the people and God to define us because we are people set free to be the unique people that we are in Jesus Christ. Amen. Have an absolutely awesome week. And don't forget, God Encounter is up and running, so you can come for more Encounter with Him at half past seven on Thursdays here at the Summit. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.